might be able to use a new playmate, or at least a new punching bag. Suppose I'm willing to spend about three coppers and a bowl of piss for a mystery boy, but you'll still need to convince me that you deserve the bowl of piss. What's the boy's problem? His problem, said the thiefmaker, is that if I can't sell him to you, I'm going to have to slit his throat and throw him in the bay, and I'm going to have to do it tonight. Two. On the night the Lamora boy had come to live under the thiefmaker's care, the old graveyard on Shades Hill had been full of children, standing at silent attention and waiting for their new brothers and sisters to be led down into the mausoleums. The thiefmaker's wards all carried candles, their cold blue light shone through the silver curtains of river mist as street lamps might glimmer through a smoke-grimed window. A chain of ghost light wound its way down from the hilltop, through the stone markers and ceremonial paths, down to the wide glass bridge over the coal-smoke canal, half visible in the blood-warm fog that seeps up from Camor's wet bones on summer nights. Come now, my loves, my jewels, my newly founds, keep the pace, whispered the thief-maker as he nudged the last of the thirty or so catch-fire orphans over the coal-smoke bridge. These lights are just your new friends, come to guide your way up the hill. Move now, my treasures, there's darkness wasting, and we have so much to talk about. In rare moments of vain reflection, the thiefmaker thought of himself as an artist, a sculptor, to be precise, with orphans as his clay and the old graveyard on Shades Hill as his studio. Eighty-eight thousand souls generated a certain steady volume of waste. This waste included a constant trickle of lost, useless, and abandoned children. Slavers took some of them, hauling them off to Tal Verar, or the Jeremite Islands. Slavery was technically illegal in Camor, of course, but the act of enslavement itself was winked at, if there was no one left to speak for the victim. So slavers got some, and plain stupidity took a few more. Starvation and the diseases it brought were also common ways to go, for those who lacked the courage or the skill to pluck a living from the city around them. And then, of course, those with courage but no skill often wound up swinging from the black bridge in front of the Palace of Patience. The Duke's magistrates disposed of little thieves with the same rope they used on bigger ones, though they did see to it that the little ones went over the side of the bridge with weights tied to their ankles to help them hang properly. Any orphans left after dicing with all of those colourful possibilities were swept up by the thief-maker's own crew— one at a time or in small, frightened groups. Soon enough they would learn what sort of life awaited them beneath the graveyard that was the heart of his realm, where seven score of cast-off children bent the knee to a single, bent old man. Quick step, my lovelies, my new sons and daughters, follow the line of lights and step to the top. We're almost home, almost fed, almost washed up and bedded down out of the rain and the mist and the stinking heat. Plagues were a time of special opportunity for the thief-maker, and the catch-fire orphans had crawled away from his very favourite sort, Black Whisper.
It fell on the catchfire district from points unknown, and the quarantine had gone up. Death by clothyard shaft for anyone trying to cross a canal or escape on a boat, in time to save the rest of the city from everything but unease and paranoia. Black Whisper meant a miserable death for anyone over the age of eleven or twelve, as near as physicers could figure, for the plague was not content to reap by overly firm rules, and a few days of harmless swollen eyes and red cheeks for anyone younger. By the fifth day of the quarantine, there were no more screams and no more attempted canal crossings, so Catchfire evaded the namesake fate that had befallen it so many times before in years of pestilence. By the eleventh day, when the quarantine was lifted and the Duke's ghouls went in to survey the mess, perhaps one in eight of the four hundred children previously living there had survived the wait. They had already formed gangs for mutual protection and had learned certain cruel...